Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. good every once in a while. Sometimes, you know, he has a tough day and, you know, he might do something bad, you know. Praise God. No, thank God he's good all the time. Even if you're not. He still is. That don't change him. You don't define him. You don't change God because you act like a ding dong. That doesn't turn God into an evil God. That doesn't cause him to want to, you know, get in a bad mood and do something bad to somebody like to you. Now, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's good all the time, and he's good to all. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. He's good to all. He's good to everybody. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> right? That's right. He's good to all, all the time. Praise God. So where do bad things come from? Well, it comes from a very bad devil. We have evil spirits in this world. And uh, evil spirits have place in this world because men have given the devil place. You say, well, then why did God let that happen? You know, why would God let... No, no, we let it happen. Mankind let it happen. <clears throat> you know, angels have a free will just like man. And they rebelled against... They made a decision to rebel against God. One day they thought they were hotter stuff than God. They thought they were more powerful than God. And so they rose up against him. And uh, they had a rude awakening as they were cast down, cast to the earth. And, uh, and then God created man, and man rebelled against God. Man yielded to these demons. Man didn't have to do that, but man chose to do that and unleashed all this evil upon the earth. And that's why bad things happen in the world. It's because all this evil has been un unleashed upon the earth, but God so loved the world that he sent his son to become the scapegoat for you and I. And he bore not only our sins, but he took every evil thing, every kind of curse, every, every wicked thing that sin has brought into the world. Jesus bore it upon himself. And why did he do that? To redeem you from it. To redeem your life from destruction. To redeem you from demon spirits and give you authority over them. So that no longer they dominate you. No longer do you belong to them because of sin. Thank God we've been pulled out from under that oppression. From out of the kingdom of darkness. We've been made the righteousness of God now. And now the devil can't rule over you if you don't let him. We don't have to let that devil have any place in our life. But you know he'll always try. He'll always try to, to get place in your life. He'll always see what kind of crack he can kind of wiggle his way through. What kind of door, door he can pry open. That's just what he does. He's a thief. He's a killer. He's a destroyer. And uh, he's bent on those things. That's what, he's, that's, that's what he does full time. So that's what the Bible says he goes around seeking whom he may devour. He can't just devour anybody. But he's seeking whom he may devour. You know, he'll knock on your door and say, may I? May I? And what do you answer? No, no you may not in the name. 
in the name, it's because of the name of Jesus, he may not. But you know, a lot of folks, they don't know these things. And so they, you know, they just humbly submit to the devil and just allow the devil to wreak havoc in their life. The devil is going to come and test you. He is going to come and try to find place in your life. There is an evil day that you will face in the future. How many of you have already faced an evil day? Uh-huh. Yeah, we all have. We've all experienced days where something evil was, was coming against us. Something evil was trying to happen to us. Well, that's going to happen again. The Bible tells us these things. As long as you're in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have tribulation. The devil's going to keep trying. He's the evil one, and he's going to keep trying. But that shouldn't unnerve you. That shouldn't concern you, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We're not afraid of demons. Jesus squashed them. Jesus put them under his feet, under our feet, and they've been defeated. They've been defeated, so they cannot have dominion over you and I. We're to trample upon them. I love what Jesus said over in Luke 10. He said, behold, I give you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing, I love this, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing will hurt you. Isn't that good? No matter how evil it looks, no matter how scary the day looks, in the end, it will not hurt you. You will come out unharmed. You will come out better than before it ever happened. If we go through it in faith. If we go through it in faith. Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at this a little bit more. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. It says in verse, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now notice, he didn't say now just be strong. He didn't just say be strong. He didn't say now come on, hang in there. You need, you need to be strong in times like this. You need to be strong. He didn't say that. He said be strong in the Lord and in the, pow in the power of his might. Not strong in yourself. Man, we just, we've just got to be strong. You know, we've got to be strong. We've got to stick together, and we've got to be strong. No, you don't have to be strong in yourself. See, we're not to be strong in ourselves. We're to be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might, in His power, in His might, in the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. That's to be our strength. In fact, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul got a revelation after the devil was messing with him. And he experienced an evil day where Satan came and there were all kinds of thorns in the flesh, he described it as. Thorns in the flesh. That don't sound very nice, does it? But he, just, he described it as a thorn in the flesh had come against him. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, he says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation... A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from heaven. To be no, no, no. The revelation's coming from heaven. No, no, no. Uh, the devil came to oppose the revelation that Paul was getting. Because the devil don't want you exalted. God wants to exalt you. He wants to exalt you. The devil don't want to exalt you. So Satan sent a messenger to buffet him or to beat me. 
lest I be exalted above measure. He said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. <clears throat> and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Whose weakness? His strength is made perfect in, in your weakness. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. So the apostle gets this revelation and he goes on and says, Therefore, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities, or that could be also be translated weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So he says, man, I get excited when uh, I'm weak, when I'm in a situation that's bigger than me. When I, when I got something going on that's higher than me, that's stronger than me, that outpowers me. He said, I don't get afraid. He said, I get glad. He said, because that's when I lean more into him. I lean more into the Lord and into the power of his might. Hallelujah. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How? Well, number one, According to 2 Corinthians 12 here, by recognizing you're not strong enough in yourself. That in yourself, you're a weakling. In yourself, you're, you have insufficient ability to handle this situation. You've got to recognize that. In yourself, you don't have what it takes. Now, as long as you think you can muster up what it takes to get through this, and you're smart enough to figure it all out, then you'll be strong in yourself. You'll be strong in yourself, and you may not make it through that test or trial. You might, might, you might not make it through in that evil day. See, we don't want to trust in ourselves. We don't want to depend on ourselves. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Well, you're not going to do that unless you recognize in all your ways you don't have what it takes. You don't have enough. Now, it might seem like you do. It might seem like you do. And that's the great deception. You know, it's just kind of like the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. You know, they partook of the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. And now people that are evil feel good. They feel good about themselves. They feel like, I, I go to church. I'm a righteous person. I'm a godly person. I walk elderly people across the street. You know, I always buy the Girl Scout cookies when they come around. <clears throat> you know, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And they're an evil person. They're an evil person. And yet, there's some good about them. In fact, Jesus even said, he said, if you being Evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will your heavenly father do good things for you? How much more? If you being evil do good. So you see, there's a great deception there that you can think because you do good, you're good. When actually you're evil. See, you're evil apart from him. Everything, every good work you do is evil 
apart from him. It comes from evil because it's self-centered. It's not grounded, it's not rooted in the love of God, which is who he is. He is love. God is love. Amen. So that's, the, that's that. Well, it's the same thing now with the power of his might. Well, man, you know, you work out, you're strong, you can turn a wrench, you can do some things, right? You drove your car here tonight, da-da-da-da. Man, you're good. What you didn't know was it was the power of his might and the holy host of angelic beings that got you here safely tonight because if it wasn't for them, you never would have made it down the Gene Snyder freeway. But you didn't know that. You just thought you had a cool vehicle and that you knew how to handle it really good. See, we're not, we're not, we're not really seeing the whole picture. We're not seeing the whole picture. So we need to see the whole picture. Faith sees the whole picture because the eyes of its spirit is enlightened and it's enlightened concerning spiritual things. And we understand it's God that's holding us together. He's holding us together. We wouldn't be able to put one foot in front of the other no matter how strong your leg muscles are. You're not going to put one foot in front of the other if, it had, if it's not for the Lord, if it's not for him guiding you in life. So you're evil apart from him. Everything about you is evil apart from him. But in him, you're the righteousness of God. Did you get that? You're just as right in God's sight as God is right in his own sight. That's how righteous you are. For in, in, in Christ Jesus. Now your righteousness, apart from him, Isaiah said it this way, it's his filthy rags. Think about that. Your righteousness. You think it's so wonderful. It's as filthy rags apart from him. So we're getting, we're, getting some, we're getting some gunk out tonight. You know, we're getting some gunk out and we're realizing how pathetic we are. Isn't that nice to come to church and let the preacher just tell you how pathetic you are. You are just so pathetic. You are so weak. You are so weak and insufficient in and of yourselves. But man, what a liberating revelation it is. Look how it affected the Apostle Paul. He said, oh, when I recognize that I'm weak, when I'm not the guy that's got to get through this thing, that's when the power of Christ comes upon me. Hallelujah. So it's when you recognize you're weak, that's when the power of Christ can come upon you. That's when you'll walk in the anointing of God. And it won't just be something you experience in a special service. You know, you have hands laid on you. If you experience the power of God, you're overwhelmed by the power of God, and then you go out and you live in your own strength. So we've got to learn to live in His might, in His strength. And if you're in His might and in His strength and operating according to His wisdom, then there's no panic in you. There's nothing that really <clears throat> troubles you because you know the Lord is with you. And so you just are led by him. You follow his guidance. And he'll just lead you through a trial and test. He'll cause you to see what you need to see, know what you need to know, and empower you to do what you need to do to be able to overcome whatever that thing is that's come against you. But he'll lead you and guide you. But if you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You're not going to be able to see. You're not going to be able to hear. You're not going to be able to be guided in the evil day. So we practice that now. We don't wait for the evil day. 
Because if we're not accustomed to leaning on him now, when something bad happens that's even life-threatening, then we're not going to lean on him then either. We're going to run and be scattered. We're going to be scattered. And we might not make it through. So we're training ourselves now to lean and to rely on him, to trust fully in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord, and in the power. Whoo, man, we got real power. We got the power of his might. Did you know that? Praise God. He gives us power. Acts 1.8, he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. Real power. Man, we got it. We got real power to face real issues in life. Hallelujah. So thank God for that. So he says, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I like how the Amplified says it. It says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him. And in the power of his boundless might. See, it's walking in union with him. That's what we do every day. We're walking in union with him. Walking in harmony. Walking in sync with him. And thank God we can. We can. We need to, we need to do that. To walk in sync with the Lord. Lord, am I in sync with you right now? Lord, is, is what I'm doing, is where, is, am I in sync with you right now? You know, and you ask him in some of the littlest things in life. And you, and you allow him to give you a tune-up, just in case you're not in sync with him, you know. You allow him to come to, to fine-tune you, get you so you're, you're, you're functioning in harmony with him. You're in union with him. You're flowing with the Holy Spirit. And so we're checking on ourselves all the time. Is, am I in sync with you? Am I in sync? Because we're not independent of him. We're not, in, we're not functioning independent of him. We're not out just functioning, you know, in our own strength. Not, we're always, in all our ways, we're acknowledging him, acknowledging him, acknowledging him, keeping ourselves in tune with him, keeping ourselves in sync with him. Are you doing that, brethren? Hallelujah, are you doing that? Praise God. He says, do that. Do that all the time. Then he goes on in verse 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God. He didn't say be a put on. We got too many put on Christians. You know, I'm not talking about here at Life Faith Bible Church, but you know, there's probably somebody live streaming out there. It goes somewhere else, you know. And uh, you know, a lot of folks, just they're, they're put ons. They want to put on, put on. Heirs, like, you know, there's something, uh, you know, that they're, that they're really not. They're really not living for God, but they put on an image of living for God. No, we don't want to put on an image. We want to put on the armor. Because if you put on an image, it's not going to help you in the evil day. It's not going to help you when, when things come against you. Uh, pretending to be righteous, pretending to be godly is not going to get you through the trials of life. It's, it's not being a put on, it's putting on the armor of God. Put on the armor. And notice, it's something you got to do. Just as sure as you got to, you know, put on your clothes to come to church. You got to put on your clothes. Well, it's the same thing. You can't sit there, you know, 
with nothing on in your room and saying, oh God, I just trust you, you're going to dress me today. I just trust you to dress me. I just trust you to clothe me. I'm just going to go out by faith that you clothe me. And then you get arrested. You can't do that. You can't, you can't do that. No, you have to actually put on the armor. Spiritually, you got to put this on just like you put on your clothes. You can't expect God to put the clothes on for you. Well, don't expect him to put the armor on you. You got to do this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemings of the devil. That you may be able to stand. Able to stand. We want to be able to stand. But there's things we have to do so that we're able to stand. Winding on, winding on, let this happen. Well, what do you mean, why did God let this happen? We know evil's going to happen. We know that's going to happen, but it's okay. You have to say, why did God let this happen? God's given you armor. God's given you armor. He's given you his armor. He said, now here, put this on, you'll look just like me. Nobody will be able to tell the difference. You wear this armor, it's really shiny. People are going to look and say, oh my, oh my, it's God. I think it's God. Because you're wearing my armor. You're wearing my power. You're, you're wearing what I wear. Put that on. Put that on. And you'll be able to stand against whatever comes. You don't have to say, Lord, why did you let this happen? It's like, well, God said stuff like this would happen, but that's okay. He told us stuff like this would happen. And, uh, but that's okay because we've got armor. And with this armor, we will be able to stand. So to be able to stand, you have to understand the armor. You have to understand the armor. It's understanding, really, that makes you able to stand. You've got to understand the Word of God. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 7, it says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Get understanding. In all you're getting, get understanding because when you get understanding of the word you get understanding of God you get understanding of your enemy then you are going to be able to stand in the evil day but if you don't understand then you probably won't stand when stuff comes against you you'll probably get knocked over and then see then people why did that happen why did they get knocked over like that because they weren't able to stand well why weren't they able to stand because they didn't do what he told them to do. Amen? Yeah. See, a lot of times like, people like to put everything off on God, put everything off on God, but that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? That's not going to help you in life. That's not going to help you in life just trying to throw everything off on God and take no responsibility. God's given us responsibilities. He says, he says now listen, don't be a ding-dong. Put on the armor. Put on the armor. If you put this on, you'll be able to stand. My Lord, that's exciting to me. Especially knowing evil days are ahead. This is exciting to me that I have something that I could put on that will enable me to be able to stand against whatever comes against me. I want to learn about it. I want to get this. I want to make sure I'm doing this. Because if we got this, we got it. We got the victory.
We got the victory. He goes on, verse 12. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Huh. Principalities. Powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Notice this, in the kingdom of darkness, among demons, there is rank. There is different levels of authority. Different levels of authority among the demons. Now these demons, you understand, they're so full of hate, there isn't a single demon that loves another demon. They don't, have, they don't have any love in them whatsoever. And yet, here they are, working as, as, a, as an army with rank, with, with different levels of authority, which means different demons are subject to other demons. Different demons are subject to higher-ranking demons. And they submit. They submit to the authority of demons. Demons submitting to demons. Think about that. Now, think about it. They hate each other. And yet, when it comes to fighting against God's people, when it comes to oppressing humans, they operate in harmony with each other, in sync with each other, because they submit to each other. Now, their submission is out of hatred, but they still submit. Isn't that amazing? Different levels of demons. Different levels of demons. Over in Luke 11, verse 26, Jesus was talking about when an evil spirit is driven out of somebody. And he said, uh, this demon, when it's cast out of somebody... It goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Goes and takes seven wicked, Luke eleven twenty six. 26. Goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So the devil, he's cast out. And then he wants to get back in. And so he realizes he just can't get back in because now this guy has gotten delivered of the demon and he's all washed and cleaned up. And so he goes get seven more demons, more wicked than himself. So he, fought, he finds demons that have a higher rank than himself, that have more authority, they're more wicked, probably more powerful. And he goes and gets them to overthrow this person. Well, friend, if there's, if there's rank in the kingdom of darkness, and if demons who are like crazy, out of control, nutty, I mean, they're nuts. Demons are nuts. And yet, I mean, they're lunatics. That's what they really are. They're just, they're loonies. And yet, they with all their lack of self-control, bitterness, rage, anger, hatred, they're able to submit to their authority in order to accomplish what the kingdom of doctrine wants to achieve? How much more 
is their rank and authority in the kingdom of God and the subjects of the kingdom are in submission to their king and the higher ranking officials in the kingdom. I mean, wouldn't it be a horrible thing? And this may be true. If the kingdom of darkness has more submission than the kingdom of God, if there's less rebellion among demons, among themselves, than there is in God's kingdom, among God's people. Because you understand, if we're not submitted to God by submitting to His Word, submitting to the Holy Spirit, submitting to those that He's put over us in authority in the church and so forth, if we're not submitted to His will for our life, then we're in rebellion to Him. We're in rebellion to the Lord. We're in rebellion to God. And of course, you know, who's more rebellious than Satan? I mean, he, he's the root of rebellion. He's the founder of rebellion. He's the one that was the first to ever rebel against God when he was Lucifer. That's how he earned the name Satan. I mean, is there anybody more rebellious than Satan? No. And yet in his kingdom, there's submission. And in God's kingdom, there's so much rebellion. There's so much rebellion among God's people. Where God's people are not submitting to God's word. They're not, they're not saying, your will be done. They're still wanting to do their own will. They're not doing the Lord's will in a lot of areas of their life. They're doing their own will. In fact, a lot aren't even interested in really getting to know the will of God. That's how much they're into doing their own will. I don't have time. I just don't have time to read the Bible. I'm too busy doing my own will to find out God's. And yet we call him Lord. So he's our Lord, which means what? Which means we submit ourselves to him. We're subject to him. Whatever he says, that's what we do. It's not my will, your will be done. And we're so wanting to do the will of God. We're so submitted to him that, man, we're diligently making sure Again, we're in sync with his plan for our life that we're not doing anything out of selfish ambitions and trying to promote ourselves and push ourselves forward and trying to do our own thing. Man, we want to make sure we are doing his thing. I am doing the Lord's thing, man. I am doing the Lord's will. And this is so key to you and I overcoming the powers of darkness and winning in the evil day. That no matter what comes against us, we can overcome. But we can't overcome if we're all scattered and we're actually in rebellion to the will of God for our life. And I don't want to be in rebellion in any area. I want to be fully... Because again, rebellion to God is submission to Satan. And who in the world wants to submit to Satan? In fact, over in James chapter 4, hold your place here in Ephesians... James, the fourth chapter. James 4, and he says to us, oh, is it James 5? Huh? 
Yeah, verse 7. It says, Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Woohoo, hallelujah. I don't care how high-ranking the demon is. He's not higher than God. And when you submit to God, you're resisting the devil. But when you're not submitting to God, then you're actually rebelling against God and you're submitting to the devil. How can you cause the devil to flee in the name of Jesus if you're submitted to the devil? No, no. See, we want to walk in this authority over demons. We want to walk in the armor of God. And so we have to make sure we're submitted to God. We're submitted to him. And when we're in submission to him, then devils flee from us. Because when we're submitted to God, we're resisting the devil. You, you, I mean, that's just what you're doing. You're resisting, because God and the devil, you don't understand, they're just completely the opposite. They're completely the opposite. And so it's so sad. You know, you got, you got Christians that, that know some of these things, and then they just go over and they don't submit with God, and they just go ahead and they submit to the devil, and they just yield to the devil, and they just yield to, well, we could say yield to the flesh, and just do their own thing, and they just, they just get out there, and they get out of that divine protection. They get out of that safe place, and that can get you destroyed. I mean, that's not a, that's not a place any one of us wants to be and we understand these things, then that fear of God comes upon us, and man, we cling to Him. We don't want to get away from God. You see, the fear of God is not the fear that God's going to strike you. It's not, it's not the fear that God's hand's going to come down on you. That's what a lot of people think the fear of God is. The fear of God is going to backhand you. He's going to hit you with some kind of sickness. He's going to hit you with some kind of disaster. And so we fear God. We fear the backhand of God. No, 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 no. We fear getting out from under the mighty hand of God that is so good to us and protects us and loves us and cares for us and leads us and guides us and helps us, and strengthens us. That's what God's hand's doing. God's hand is all over us for good. We don't want to get out from under that hand. That's a scary thing. No, I fear, I fear God too much to let him get away from me. I fear getting out from under his hand. And so that fear of God keeps you clinging to God, keeps you under his hand. So we have to understand some of these things. If we just say, I'm going to stop, God does whatever he wants, you know, it's all up to God, whatever. You know, then there's no fear of God. And we're just out here and nobody's wearing any armor and we're just, well, whatever happens, happens. And that's a horrible place to be. But thank God. We're putting our armor on, keeping it on by keeping ourselves submitted to God. So he says again, verse 7, Therefore submit to God, submit to God, resist the devil, Ooh, hallelujah, and he'll flee from you. Well, I mean, if you want a picture of how, well, how that looks, you know, just look at Jesus. I mean, no, Jesus is just submitted to God, right? And then, no, Jesus would just go into places, and if there were any demons in there, they would become known right away, and they'd freak out. They would freak out, and they'd, be, they'd just, oh, have you come to torment us? Right? Demons would cry out. What did we to do with you? And you know what the answer is to that? Nothing. 
Nothing. What have we to do with you? Absolutely nothing. Get out of here. Hit the road, Jack. Get out. Leave. Gladly. See, when you're submitted to God, the devil gladly flees. You know, he's just saying, can I go? Yes, you can go. Can I go to the pigs? Sure. Just get out of here. We just cast them out. They have to run from us because we're submitted to God. What do you mean? We're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, keep us submitted to you. Let's just pray that right now. Heavenly Father, keep me submitted to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Keep us in sync with you. Amen. Back at Ephesians. Chapter 6, and in verse 13, he says, Therefore, well, actually, let's, let's just go back and look at this again here, verse 12. So he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So he, he names these different levels of rank among these demons. Some demons more wicked than other demons. And we just finished saying, if there's rank in the kingdom of darkness, that we know there's got to be rank in the kingdom of God. And there is rank in the kingdom of God. And it's going to be that way throughout all eternity. Because you understand, the Lord said that we're going to rule and reign with him forever. What, is, what, what do you mean rule? What do you mean reign? For, that's authority. It's authority. There'll always be authority. There'll always be rank in the kingdom of God throughout all eternity. And God has us in this time right now where he's training us. He's training us to live a life of faith where we are submitted to him so that he can use us mightily in this life and in the life to come throughout all eternity. Now, thank God, you just making it to heaven is a good thing, you know, and, and being a gold dust sweeper, I always say, is a good thing, you know. But God's got more for you than that. He's got more, more for you than that. He's got all kinds of rank, all kinds of glory he wants to place upon your life. Like I like to remind people, you know, it's not socialism in heaven. It's not communism in heaven. It's not everybody gets the same everything. Everybody's on the same level in heaven. In fact, over in Corinthians, Corinthians uh, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and in verse 40, it says, There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Now watch this. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. So he's saying concerning the resurrection of the dead, he says, we are going to differ in glory like the stars in the heavens differ. When you look up into the heavens and you see the stars, you know, you see some stars that are really bright. 
And then you see some stars, you just barely see. Some stars you can't see at all unless you get away from the city lights. You know, you just got to get away from the city lights to even be, they're there, but you can't even see them. They're so faint. And you get out in a place, you know, out in the country somewhere where there's just no city lights, and man, the sky is just full of all these stars. He says, that's what we're going to be like in the resurrection. He said, we're all going to have different levels of glory. And he goes on and says in verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in corruption. So in its context, he's talking about the resurrection of your body and the level of glory that is going to be upon you in eternity. What is going to determine what kind of glory that you're going to radiate with? What kind of authority? What kind of rank? What kind of power? Because glory gives you rank. Glory, get, glory gives you authority in the kingdom of God. And so when you've got the glory, which is the manifested awesomeness of God on your life, what's going to determine your level of brightness? What's going to determine your rank when you rise from the dead? Is God just going to say, I'm going to make you a dim one because you're dim. And no, it's probably because you were a bit of a dimwit. And that's why you're so dim. You live like a dimwit, and you're going to look like a dimwit. I'm just, you know, just trying to be playing with you. I'm, we're talking about the resurrection here. You know, the Bible talks about an abundant entry being open to us into the everlasting kingdom. You know, some people are just squeaking through the door. And then some people are going to have this big, abundant, grand entry into God's kingdom into eternity. What's going to determine the difference? What you did with what he gave you here on the earth. Your submission to him in this life. Your submission to him in this life. And we have to judge ourselves based on our submission to him. Not on anything else. Don't judge yourself based on you know, any kind of natural thing, any kind of carnal thing, you, you judge yourself based on your submission to him. How submitted am I to the will of God? And it's something we check up on ourselves daily, right? Daily. And friend, this is going to affect what we're going to look like. This is going to affect our positioning. This is going to affect our authority. And, 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 and don't think it's not a big deal because it is a big deal. You were created for this. You were created to rule and reign with him. It is your very purpose to rule and reign with Christ throughout all eternity. That is what you were created for. So don't think it's not going to be that important to you when you get over to the other side. It's very important. It's very important. And we're going to want to walk in as much of it as possible because this is what we were created for. When he created man in the beginning, he gave them, man meaning the male and female, he gave them dominion. Absolute rule and authority over the earth. That's what he did. He created them. He created them to what? To have dominion. He created them to rule. He created them, put them here on the earth to advance his kingdom throughout his creation. Starting here on planet earth. That's what we're here for, guys. We're here to advance the kingdom of God. We're here to rule and reign, praise God. We're here to exercise dominion. Drive out the darkness. Set captives free. 
And then if we're faithful, if we're faithful, he'll make us ruler over many things. Right? He said to the one he gave ten, ten talents to, and that guy went out and he made ten more talents. And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful a little. Now be ruler over much. One place he talked about cities. He said, you were faithful over, over five cities. Now I'm going to give you ten cities. Cities. He's talking about his kingdom being advanced. That's what you and I have been created for. We don't want to just fall to this real carnal, fleshly life where we're just trying to make ends meet, you know. Just, we're just trying to survive down here. I'm just trying to do the best I can. And then we get satisfied when everything's going good for us. And that's good enough. Not good enough. It's not good enough. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to advance the kingdom of God. Our, our purpose is to grow in our authority. Grow in your authority. Faithful little, I'll make you a ruler. Rule over what he's given you and rule it well. Rule it well. And I'll make you a ruler over other things, even bigger things. You, you, you're created to rule. So you should be increasing in authority, growing in your authority, increasing in glory. The anointing of God, the power of God should be increasing upon our life. We should be looking for that. We should be looking for that. Power of God isn't some little charismatic Pentecostal thing that just makes you, try to make you happy and you could say, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm charismatic, you know. That's not what it's for. It's not what it's for. It's to take it and it's to be a witness for him and to rise up and be faithful with it so it increases in your life. I want the authority. I want that power. I want the anointing of God to increase in my life. Don't you? Yeah, yeah that's, what we, that's what we should be striving for. That's what, we're, that's what we were created for. So that's what you and I are going after. Praise God forever. Can you say amen? amen? So there's levels of wickedness in the kingdom of darkness, and then there's levels of glory in the kingdom of God. And so we want to be submitted to the Lord and walk in the greater glory of God. I mean, you think about submission. I mean, on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord. They were just all submitted. They were all submitted, and the power of God came in there, and look what God was able to do through them, the early church. Same thing. God's just looking for people to be submitted to him. Not double-minded, not half in, half out. Sometimes we submit. Some, I'm submitted in some areas. I came to church tonight. Isn't that submission? Yes. That's not all of it. That's a part of it. That's actually to help you when you walk out of here. To be fully submitted to him in every area of life. And we can do this. I said, we can do this because we were created for this. But we've got to take it serious. We've got to recognize it's our responsibility. We've got to do this. We've got to press in. We've got to press in. Get the understanding. Get the revelation. In all you're getting, get understanding. In all you're getting, go get it. Are you a go-getter? A lot of people are go-getters when it comes to a lot of different things. They're go-getters. How about go get understanding? I'm trying. I'm trying. I had a busy day going and getting I'm trying. No, 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 no. In all you're getting, in all that you go out and get, get what? 
That means that's what you're going to get more than anything else you're getting. Now, he didn't say don't go, go get other things, but he says in all you're getting, make sure you're getting this more than anything else that you're going to get, but go get it. Right? You ready to come to church? Said, man, I'm going to get some. I'm going to get me some tonight. I'm going to go get me some understanding tonight. Praise God. I'm going to go get in that word tomorrow, and I'm going to get me some understanding. Praise God. I'm going to go get into the secret place of the Most High. I'm going to get under that shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to get me some. Praise God. I'm going to get some anointing on my life. I'm going to get some revelation. We're going to go, we're going to go get some. Hallelujah. Praise God. Woo. Thank you, Lord. We're go-getters. We're go-getters. We're God-go-getters. That's a good title for this message. God-go-getters. Somebody make a note of that. Somebody say, I'm a God-go-getter. Turn to somebody tell them, say, I'm a God-go-getter. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go get it. Let's go get God. Let's go get everything God's got for us. Praise God. Get the understanding. You'll be able to stand in the evil day. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. He says it again that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Having done all to stand. Somebody say, evil days come, but evil days go. Yeah. And you'll find out that you and I will grow. When the evil day does go, we come out stronger. We come out better. Hit me with your best shot. Why don't you hit me with your best shot? Hit me with your best shot. Fire away. I don't know where that came from, but it just came out of, it came out of, the, out of the past somewhere. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Thank God. He said, above all, the shield of faith. And, and that happens to be my favorite. Thank God for the shield of faith. But notice, he says, you got to... Take the shield of faith. You got to take hold of it. Take hold of the shield of faith with which you, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, Lord, Lord, take it away. As Paul was praying, Lord, take it away, take it away. God says, Paul, stop crying to me. Take up the shield of faith. Be strong in the power of my might and rise up and quench that fiery dart of the wicked one. Fiery thorns, quench them, quench them. Take up the shield of it with which you'll be able to quench. Everybody say quench. What does that mean? That means to extinguish. I mean, your faith will be like a, like a, like a, a, a fire extinguisher. Just take out your faith. Doesn't matter. Fiery dart comes. Ooh, it's a flaming fiery dart. Just quench it. Just spray it. Praise God. Just put out the fire. 
That's what faith does. It extinguishes it. That word quench, extinguish, smothers. I like that. Smother it. Suffocate it. Choke it. Choke the fiery dart. The devil comes. He shoots a fiery thing at him, at you. Glory be to God. Let your faith just choke that thing to death. Suffocate it. Just sit on it like a wet blanket. You know, if you hear somebody, you know, they're just a wet blanket. You know, everybody comes together, they're having fun, you know, having a little party or something like that, and, and then you always get the wet blanket. You're right? You always got the person that just comes in there and just, they just quench the whole thing, you know. They just quench the good time. They just extinguish all the fun, all the good things that are going on. Well, that's you and I. We're a bunch of party poopers. <laughs> we extinguish. We, we just smother. We smother all the devil's works. Whatever the devil's trying to fire at us, whatever the devil's trying to accomplish, we just smother it. We don't mother it. Some people mother, they mother the devil's works, you know. And they give it all this self-pity and they just, you know, make all these excuses for it and the poor little thing and they feel bad about it. No, they don't mother it, smother it. Faith smothers it. Hallelujah. Praise God. He says, quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. And that's exactly what our faith will do. And of course, faith is connected to authority as well. Understanding faith, walking in great faith, we know requires an understanding of authority and a submission to the will of God. And perhaps we'll pick that up next time. But how many remember the centurion that came to Jesus? In fact, why don't we just go there real quick? We'll just take five minutes. You, you okay with that? Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And in verse 5, it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Just all you got to do is just say the word. For I also am a man under authority. Now, see, he begins to explain why he believes Jesus only has to speak the word. And his servant, who is dreadfully tormented, will be healed. He, the man begins to explain it right here. He says, I'm a man under authority. In other words, I'm not in rebellion. I'm a man submitted having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And this man's faith quenched that fiery, tormenting thing, that demon that was afflicting his servant. This man's great faith quenched it. This, faith man, this, this man's great faith got it taken care of. And how did he have great faith? It's amazing. Jesus marveled at this man's understanding. 
He said, Lord, all you got to do is say the word. He said, because I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. I understand how this works. And he said, I have soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And sometimes he goes, but you just never know, you know. Sometimes he goes and, 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 and does it. And sometimes he argues with me. And says, why? Why do I have to go? Why can't somebody else go? Why can't somebody else do it? I don't want to do it. I don't know. Why is everybody always picking on me? Why don't they ask, why don't they ask Charlie over there? He never does this. Why do I have to do it? How many people know that's not submission? That's whining. Yeah. That's whining. And that's rebellion. Yeah. That's rebellion. And guess what? That's training yourself to not live by faith. That's going to hinder your faith shield. I said, that's going to hinder your faith shield. No, no, no. He says, I say to this one, go. And he what? He goes. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't question. He doesn't doubt. He doesn't go halfway and then it never happens. No, no, no. He's used to saying to his soldiers, go, and they obey him. They go. And he says to another one, come, bring that to me. And it's coming to him. And really, his focus isn't even so much on the vessel that's going and that's bringing to him what he's asking for. It's just he's speaking a word and he's having what he says. He says to something, go, and it goes and it gets done. He's, he wants something done, it gets done just by him saying it. Regardless of, who, regardless of who's doing it, you've got to kind of lose sight of, of who's doing it and how they're getting it done. The bottom line is, he knows that when I say something, it happens. When I want something to come to me, it comes to me. Well, Jesus said, this is how his kingdom works. We say whatever we desire, and we shall have it. It'll come to us. We'll have it. Or you'll say to that evil spirit, go, and it will go. It has to obey you. But I think we have a tough time utilizing these spiritual realities, walking in this authority and power, because we're not very good at it in the natural many times. In the, in the natural, we're not really good at it at home with our parents. We're not very good with, with our employer. You know, we got a lot of whining and complaining and we do a half-baked job, you know. We don't really follow through with what we're asked to do or we just question everything and we just flat out don't do a bunch of stuff that we know we're supposed to do and we just wait and push it off till somebody else does it. And so all that is training ourselves in unbelief. It's training ourselves to not live by faith and thus not have a faith shield that quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Man, we want to walk in this authority to command the devils go. We want to command sickness to leave. We want to command problems get out of here. you got no place here. I'm a man of authority. I'm a woman of authority. I'm submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I resist demons and they flee from me. I'm quick to obey. I'm not slow to obey. I don't drag my feet when it comes to obedience. And I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I do it. How many times do I say to people, so how's your walk with God? How's your spiritual life doing? Well, it could be better. What does that mean? Well, you know, I probably, I probably can make some changes here and I probably can do more of this. Well, when are you going to do it? 
Well, I'm working on it. You're fired. You tell it to your employer. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You're working on it? How long have you been working on it? How long have you been a Christian? Ten years. You've been working on it for ten years? You still haven't submitted and just done what you know you're supposed to do? See, somebody should be able to walk up to you and say, where are you at with God? You say, I'm walking with him. I'm in union with him. I'm, I'm in sync with him, man. I'm, I'm in the flow. I'm doing what I know to do. And listen, God isn't overbearing. He knows where you're at, and he never asks more of you than he knows you can handle. So he, he, when he asks you to do something, uh, you're, you're more than capable of doing it. So to not do it is just rebellion. It's just being rebellious. So there's no excuse for it. So you just do what you know to do. That's all he's asking of you. Do what you know to do. So that's why we, we examine ourselves. We're going back to examine ourselves, making sure we're in sync with him, that we're in union with him, we're flowing with him, we're submitted to him. We're submitted to the Lord. Praise God. We're submitted to him in everything by doing what we know to do. And so if there's something you know you're just not doing right, and something you're doing you shouldn't be doing, or there's something that you should be doing that you're not doing, do it! Don't do it. If you're not supposed to do it, stop it! You know, people stay baby Christians for way too long. And they think it's okay to just be a baby Christian. I know i got to stop. I said five minutes. I just took eight. But, but, you know, they think it's okay to be a baby Christian for the rest of their life and just not really do what they're supposed to do. It's like, well, you know, I just still do what I do. You're being a baby Christian. And you have no faith. You have very weak faith. Very weak faith. That needs to stop now. There's no more excuses. Stop it. If you're not supposed to do it, stop it. If you're supposed to do it, do it. Well, I'm waiting for Charlie over here to get with the program, and then when he gets with the program, I'll Okay, so when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you won't even see Charlie, by the way. It'll just be you and Jesus. And you're just going to give an account. You're going to say, well, it's Char Charlie! Hold on, Lord. It's Charlie. Charlie made me do it. Or Charlie kept me from doing it. No. Charlie ain't going to be there. Right? Don't be a dimwit. You don't want to be dim in eternity. Right? You want to be bright, beautiful, glorious. Woo! Full of the glory of God, walking in authority, fulfilling your purpose now, and ruling and reigning with Him throughout all eternity. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand on the feet. Let's thank God tonight. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.